Welcome to AFT in Action, a podcast for members of AFT Connecticut-affiliated local unions. We're approximately 30,000 working people in the public and private sectors, teachers and school support staff, nurses and healthcare workers, higher education faculty and public employees in nearly 90 unions across the state. The series provides a deeper dive into issues impacting our members and our movement as part of AFT Connecticut's engagement and communications efforts. Welcome, sisters and brothers, to another episode of AFT in Action. My name is Jan Hockadell, your State Federation President, and I'm once again co-hosting this latest episode. When we launched our podcast a year ago, it was largely inspired by what was being done at AFSCME's Council 4. They were the first statewide labor organization in Connecticut to do a podcast, and we thought, what a great idea, and we asked their executive director to join me as a co-host for that first episode. So I've asked Jody Barr to return, and not just to mark the occasion as a full year of AFT in Action, but also because for the last six months, we have co-chaired the Connecticut AFL-CIO's Labor 2020 Census Committee. Jody, I really appreciate you joining me again for this podcast, particularly since the 2020 census is the focus of this month. And we both have been working on empowering members to ensure a complete count for Connecticut. Jan, glad to join you. We started working on this project last summer after the Census Bureau presentation to CBAC, our state employee bargaining unit coalition. We both realized how the count impacts our members and more importantly, why we need to get them engaged. We can really make a difference with the once-in-a-decade effort. Our members have connections in their workplaces and communities to people that are often among the hardest to count. Exactly, and that's why I asked you to join me again as a co-host. And as I mentioned, we're working with the Connecticut AFL-CIO to organize participation in the census at all levels. First, we're putting together a plan to make sure our members are educated and they themselves are counted. And to your point, Jody, we're also mobilizing them to make sure that they engage the people that are around them in their lives. They do have a unique access to families of students, patients, as well as members of the general public. Right, Jan. Those kinds of interpersonal connections are so valuable when it comes to the mutual beneficial civic activities like a census. A complete count for Connecticut means every resident wins. Exactly. And it also means that we have a lot to lose if we let this opportunity pass us by. The census only comes around once every 10 years and we can't afford the cost of inaction. That's why the Bureau sought the help of unions and other community groups to get the message out through trusted voices. Our families, friends, and neighbors need to know that the census is safe, easy, and important. Well said, Jody. So, to help us get the message out, we've asked a trusted elected leader to sit down and answer our members' questions. Connecticut's Lieutenant Governor Susan Bicewich. Susan, the state legislature is now in session and your duties include presiding over the state senate, and plus you serve as the co-chair for the statewide Connecticut Complete Count Committee for the Census. We know you have a full agenda, so thank you for making the time to sit down with us and here at your office at the state capitol. Great to be working with you on this really important effort. So Susan, before we dive into discussing the census, let's talk about what brought you into the public service. Before your election as Lieutenant Governor in 2018, you represented Middletown, Middlefield, and Durham in the State House of Representatives, and I have to say, near and dear to my heart, you wrote legislation to ban dangerous drive-through mastectomies and fought to ensure women that were being treated for breast cancer had access and appropriate care. And then for 12 years, you served as the Secretary of State, where you made fair elections a major priority. Can you share with us what motivated you to seek elected office in the first place? I had that opportunity um, 
when uh, one day, as I was sitting at the kitchen table, because everything that's important in life, right, happens <laughs> at the kitchen table, um, and my husband said to me, oh, look, um, our state representative, David Levine, is retiring. You know, you should run for that. And my first thought, since I had a, a very young daughter at the time, our daughter was five months old, my first thought was, how could I possibly do that? But over the next couple of days, every time I looked at my daughter, I thought, you know, I'm already concerned about education, the environment, public safety, all these issues that um, were part of her, her future. And I thought, I am just going to start uh, doing something about the future. I'll, I'll run for that office. And, and here we are. Thanks, Susan. That's a great segue to our main topic, the 2020 Census and its impact here in Connecticut. You're helping lead efforts to ensure that an accurate count is in our state. Last fall, you announced the Lamont administration had ID'd a half a million dollars across state agencies to support these efforts. Since then, you've been reaching out to nonprofit organizations to secure matching funds. What inspired you to co-chair the Connecticut Complete Count Committee and help lead these important efforts? First and foremost, as Governor Lamont and I were preparing for our tra transition efforts, in other words, after we got elected, but before we got sworn into office, uh, we realized we were looking at an almost $4 billion budget deficit. And we thought one way to make sure we had adequate resources in our state would be through maximizing federal funding to Connecticut. And we are a donor state. We rank number 48th uh, out of all the states in terms of what we give to Washington, D.C. in taxes and what we get back in Connecticut. So the governor tasked me with creating a statewide complete count committee. And we have, um, I think we are the second state in the nation following California to begin this complete count effort. And that happened uh, last year, right after the governor and I took office. I also want to give a shout out to State Representative Chris Rosario, who is one of my co-chairs in this effort, along with Secretary of the State Denise Merrill and State Representative Pat Wilson Phineas, because Chris Rosario said to me uh, after our election in 2018, he said, you know, Susan, the census is going to be critical to the Latino community in our state and to our whole state, and I want you to know I'm going to make it a priority. And I said to him, good, you can help us. Um, so we wanted to make sure that our statewide organization reflected very urban areas like the one Chris Rosario represents, very rural areas like the one Pat Wilson Phineas represents, uh, and um, Denise Merrill, our Secretary of the State, uh, like me when I was Secretary of the State, has been also very engaged in this effort of making sure everyone gets counted. And Susan, there's certainly a lot at stake if we don't get this right. Not only do we lose $2,900 for every person we undercount, I prefer to look at it in a positive way in that we should be getting $11 billion plus to Connecticut for 
very important programs, more than 55 federal programs uh, that are based on how many people that we have in our state. So it is a financial loss that local property taxpayers have to make up or state taxpayers have to make up if we don't get our federal dollars here. But it's also a question of representation because there will be redistricting in our United States Congress. There will be redistricting right here um, in our General Assembly uh, next year, immediately after we get the final census figures, which are going to come in at the end of December of 2020. So it's uh, financial resources that are at stake. It's political representation that is at stake. But it's also really important economic data that's critical to uh, growing our economy. And that's another reason why the governor really wanted me to lead this effort, because the governor knows that small business people, uh, Fortune 500 companies, medium-sized manufacturers, they're all looking at this census data to decide uh, where to open new retail operations, where to locate housing. Um, so it's important for those three reasons, um, federal funding, representation, both at the state and federal level, and for our business community. Thank you for that, Susan. Let's talk about the grassroots engagement you're leading to get the community organizers involved. What are some of the ways local groups are preparing to make the Connecticut census a complete count? So as an example, the Meriden Complete Count Committee decided that since they were going to have thousands of people attending a high school football game, they decided to uh, pass out census information, uh, including information about part-time jobs that are available, but also about why it's important to fill out the census while at the game and they passed out thousands of flyers. Uh, we've heard that superintendent of schools have sent uh, flyers home for parents in kids' backpacks. Uh, we've had uh, complete count committees that decided to target barber shops or uh, preschools, preschools especially because um, the zero to five age group is often undercounted. So. Uh, our complete count committees have been doing really creative things as they try to think about who is most likely to be undercounted and how to reach those folks. Wow, a lot of great work being done around the state, Susan. And it's a good lead-in to our first member's question, um, which comes from Miriam, and she is an educator from Farmington. And she sent in a message to the podcast email box and asked, how can union members like myself volunteer to assist the local count committees with census activities? So folks like Miriam who have an interest in helping, they should contact their uh, local mayor or first selectman and ask to get involved. What we found is that uh, municipalities are very likely to have multiple subcommittees so they can talk about what the subcommittees are and get uh, people like Miriam involved in those efforts. Um, there are towns that have faith-based organizations. There are towns that have PTA and education organizations. So um, there's, trust me, there is some way that everybody can help. I, I would also throw out um, that we've had 
uh, schools that have decided to have fill out the census party nights where they invite families to come uh, have refreshments uh, fun things for kids to do so the parents can uh, get assistance filling out the census we've been in our office very grateful for the role that labor unions uh, have played in our statewide and local complete count committees um, we started this effort uh, over a year ago, Jody uh, and Jan, you were amongst the first calls that I made to invite your organization, AFSME, and your organization, AFT, to be part of this because each of your unions have 30,000 members. So right here, I'm sitting with people that represent 60,000 union members. Uh, also, the AFL-CIO has been very active in Connecticut, and I think their combined membership is over 220,000 people in our state. So uh, people with labor ties uh, have uh, considerable influence within our small state of three and a half million people. And imagine the power of each member speaking to their families. They are able to amplify the message they are trusted voices and at the afl convention several months ago uh, we actually had union members uh, taping messages for social media about the power of the census and and why it's important and we were taping those in english and spanish and and other languages and i think jody you were in one jan you were in one uh, lots of other members were as well. And so the governor and I have been very grateful in um, for all the efforts that you've made um, on our statewide committee, but also your members are participating in these 156 local committees that have been uh, established around the state. So I think the collective uh, power of labor is is really important and has been literally powering our census effort, if you will. I appreciate that, Susan. That's a good lead into another member's question. David, a school-related support staff member from East Hartford, called into AFT's podcast listener line. Many parents in my school are skeptical of the census and don't see the benefit in completing their own survey. What are some examples of what Connecticut stands to gain with a complete count? Well, let's start with school funding. Uh, David mentions uh, paras in his school in East Hartford. Well, um, the federal funding that Connecticut receives goes directly to schools. So it is federally sponsored school lunch programs. It is also Head Start. Uh, it is Pell Grants that students receive. It's also uh, things like WIC, SNAP, Medicaid. Uh, many of the funding is education related, but there are also many federal programs that people in communities like East Hartford depend on for services. It's community development block grants, uh, road and transportation projects, uh, energy assistance for seniors. Trust me, uh, everybody's family members or friends 
rely on any number of these 55 federal programs. And to go back to the schools, uh, particularly for the uh, young children that are routinely undercounted, it's estimated that uh, over a million children between the ages of um, zero to five were undercounted. So imagine in East Hartford if you have uh, 10 young people that are undercounted. That's $29,000 a year times 10, the 10 years of the census, where that one school will receive almost $30,000 less in federal funding. So I just can't stress how important it is. And the baby you undercount today is going to be 10 years old come next census and will have spent five or six years in an elementary school and beyond. So this is why we really need to get it right. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here that will definitely inform both our union's complete count efforts. We appreciate your time and suggestions, and it definitely demonstrates the AFT in action. And Jody, thank you for joining me as a co-host. It was a great reminder how, you know, in Connecticut, we can accomplish so much more when all the unions work together. Agreed. And let me finally plug your podcast, Jody, uh, Council for Unplugged, which is also on the Podbean platform. And I hope our members will take a minute now to subscribe and so they're notified when new episodes are published. Jan, thanks for that. Actually, to plug our latest one, uh, Comptroller Kevin Lembo gave us a report on the state's finances, which is a pretty good listen. Great. I have to take a listen to that. Once again, I invite questions for our next episode of AFT in Action. We'll be talking about the impact on students and faculty of the proposal to merge the state community colleges. Please send your comments by email to actnetreply at aftct.org. That's A-C-T-N-E-T-R-E-P-L-Y at sign aftct.org. Plus, you can leave a voice message by dialing 860-257-9782 and asking for extension 116. That was 860-257-9782, extension 116. I'm looking forward to including your voices, and thank you in advance for being heard. That's a wrap for this latest edition of AFT in Action. Additional episodes are available at our Podbean page and social media channels, all of which can be found at aftct.org. Like what you heard? Then share with fellow members and encourage they give it a listen too, and help build the power of the UNI in union.